back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, All Things Competitive Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric. It's your probably time to celebrate Robert's birthday. Happy birthday, bud. Confetti cannons. Woo. I'm 31, sleepy, and I have to work. <laughs> Welcome to adulthood. So, yes, uh, he's celebrating birthday this week. Congratulations. We've got a lot to go over. A very aggressive agenda again today. Uh, five faction focus, uh, uh, two tournaments to talk about. Uh, piling away here on ninth edition. But uh, the big highlight, which will be our main focus at the end of the show, yes, somebody has Ash 10th edition rulebook. So being Robert and I actually got a game in, assuming what we knew, it would be great to go over that uh, leet copy and find out what we missed, what we assumed was there, and um, still plenty of mysteries left to go. Was not the entire rulebook, a good chunk of it, and we still have no nothing factions other than what's in the faction. So... Um, Still a lot. Uh, it was a great uh, nugget of it to find out. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a little nugget. I'm pretty sure it's a small rock. Pretty cool. But there was, yeah, there's still, it also leaves with a lot of questions. So let's, let's first of all dive in. Uh, two we want to touch on. Let's first head to Maryland. Yep. So it was probably Crab Buffet. I don't know, but it's Maryland and they had a logo for a crab. So that's the joke I'm going with. So in the top five here, we have a few recognizable names, but let's see if their army is recognizable. In fifth, we have Daniel Moscato playing Zinch and blah, 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 blah. Yep, that's exactly what I thought it would be outside of the heavy support choices. Those are a Burning Cherry and two Soul Grinders. Hmm, interesting. The, and then in fourth place, we have Jesse Melvin playing Astromel's Harem. In third place, we have Mark Hurdle playing Iron Hands, most likely an Iron Hands successor because, you know, take all the best traits and whatnot. In second place, we have Matt Laura, a familiar name, playing Enemy Maimo Ulthway. So uh, taking Craft Worlds to a second place finish, only dropping his one game in round 1-5 to the guy who won the event of a TJ Lanigan playing also Zinch Demons. And the list looks pretty much the same, except for the amount of flamers that Lanigan is playing as the guy who came in fifth. Curdle, he did indeed take a successor chapter. Yes, that I'm said Mark Hurdle. I'm just so used to Iron Hands being a successor chapter that I never I never even bothered to look exactly what they have because it's just oh hey, a contemporary dreadnought, a couple of scout squads. And then Des uh Desolation and Devastator Marines. He's got he's got a little bit of chaplain, primaris lieutenant with those like Dreadnought, uh, three scouts, five. He maxed out, uh, out a 10-man squad, a Desolation squad, two five-man Devastators. I think what makes it a little bit interesting, he's got the drop. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting about today? We had a Raymond sneak, uh, sneak himself into our recording today. Unbelievable. How is that possible? Yes. How are you, uh, sir? Doing all right. Yep, so we just finished covering the, the Maryland Open of 2023, probably going to one of the last big events that we cover for ninth edition because i've heard some inklings through some discord channels that the 10th edition official release date might be the 24th if not the 24th then at the start of the month really again this is on a discord channel i do not validate anything but keep your web pages your wallets and your ears and eyes open for at some point around the 24th of the official release date of 10th edition i believe they're starting to take pre-orders around the 9th or the the 9th or the 10th though for this one store where i was able to, but anyway we're going to go to the war games for warriors this happened uh happened in utah so on the western side of us now it ended up having 
almost 72 players. I'm going to, nope, a full 72 people signed up. So in fifth place, we have Marshall Peterson playing Goffs, dropping his game two to someone else in the top five. In fourth place, we have old man Rich Kilton playing his death skulls, as he, as he always likes doing. Dropping his, his only loss was to also a person here in the top five that we'll get to shortly. In third place is Smite Club's own Ben Jurek playing his good old trusty orc list. And he looks like he had a small fumble in round four against um, Thousand Sons or some kind of, yeah, Thousand Sons with the detachment of War Dog Executioners. But that still led him to a third place finish over, actually, I was looking at that wrong. He lost in the last round there against Scott Rumpel. <laughs> I was looking at the wrong person's score. I was looking at Rich's. Yes, my bad. I know how to read. In second place, we have Thomas Hengstrom Oki playing Eldar with an almost perfect record, tying Scott Rumpel in round five. And they ended up having to play each other. Well, they ended up um, not having to play each other in round six for Scott Rumpel to take the event with Sp- Base Wolves. I believe that final at that game. Very tight. Uh, uh, nice to see some of the familiar faces back at the top, especially with this side of the group. Yep. I, I have to appreciate that the top five is 60% orc. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever thought that. I'm talking a whole bunch about the orc latest meta watch. That. Mm-hmm. So a congratulations to everyone that performed well, especially our own Smite Club member, Ben Jurek who's been performing incredibly well this season so far, finishing somewhere in the top 10, if not the top five of every event that he's ended up at more often. So it's interesting to see if set of the ITC sticking. Well, if they did that, um, <laughs> everyone would be like, all right, cool. Here's one really small trophy for ninth edition. And then here's the big trophy for 10th edition. <laughs> But anyway, uh, let's take a look at uh, the faction. Uh, as we talked about before, we've been hearing a lot of Amplified, not so we mentioned Necrons, the other army. One of Dutchess Mechanicus, they have complicated crazy cantos. Really curious to see what they were going to do with them. Yep. So it's not at all what I thought they would do. Yeah, I, I fully expected them to go from having a 15-minute to a 25-minute command phase because, you know, Beep Boop have to get authorized by big head saint priest guy no no it's now been subtracted into three paragraphs so they still have their doctrinas and you pick either the protector or conquer imperatives so they simplified it to only two but you pick one for the entire battle round and if you do the protector imperative your all your range guns become heavy weapons so if you stand still plus one to hit and each time a ranged attack targets the unit if this unit is in your deployment zone you ignore the first level of ap by the yeah you ignore ap one effect whereas the conquer imperative all your guns become assault so you can run real fast and then every time it makes a range attack if the target is within your opponent's deployment zone you get plus one a simplified feels a lot like blanked on the robots the castellan robots file simplify the can to that you get a lot of the flavor like you know shroud song plus one armor so yeah i think it's a little bit simpler to follow and none of that comp which ones did i do rolling mm-hmm. random recalls Katari have their own it's very cool i think this will really yeah especially because it just blankets adding the keywords on all 
on all of the ranged weapons. And the detachment rule, rad cool. This was a little odd. Got a lot of talk on uh, when this first came out. So some quick hot takes later availed. But um, an interesting mechanic we've not. Yep. So, Ray, if you want to take this one, because. <laughs> sure. So. Uh, the first battle round, uh, its uh, sub-ability is called Bombardment. At the start of the first battle round, so this is before anybody does anything with a possible exception pre-game. For each enemy unit within your opponent's deployment zone, opponent can decide any unit can take cover or stand firm. If they take cover until the end of that battle round, the unit's battle-shocked. Or they can choose to stand firm, in which case you roll a d6 for the unit, and on 3+, plus, it's going to suffer d3 mortal wounds. Uh, from battle, uh, battle round 2 onwards, it's called Fallout, and at the start of the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th battle rounds, you roll a d6 for each enemy on its deployment zone, and on a 3+, plus, it suffers. Yeah, so not very friendly to gun I don't know, I kind of looked at it. Some people had different whether mortal wounds. To me, it just feels like it's still trying to get a feel of battle shock. Oh, yeah. So turn one, you probably anyway mission rules just yet, but now. So that would kind of stratagems. I'm not sure what strategy relies on. It's more the the turns two through five. You don't get out of your deployment backline. Yeah. So uh, if you're playing against army using this, probably don't want to go with the turtling strategy. Well, the the argument I have there is if you are going second, uh, unless your opponent deployed on the line, all right, I'll have everyone go to cover. I'm going to ignore those first one to three mortal wounds and just hide in cover for a turn because, sure, one mortal wound on... <clears throat> if you're bringing, like, MSU one-wound models, you start losing chunks of your army a little bit at a time, whereas, okay... I stand firm, take D3 mortal wounds to everything that's outside of a transport. Wow. <laughs> I'd rather lose my controlling ability and turtle for a second and then do my battle shock rules on my next turn. But that's just me thinking objectively because I normally play small model con armies. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, there are some armies that just aren't going to care about mm -hmm. this. There are others. And I think the player will determine it as much as the army that they're playing. But the admech armies that still have some decent range. A lot of their weapons that the infantry have 30-inch range. So if they're up at the edge of their deployment zone, then 24 inches is to, is where your deployment zone meets no man's land. Another 6 inches back, which is roughly half your deployment zone, in theory, they can shoot at. So it's, it's the, you know, the first turn you've chosen to take cover doesn't necessarily mean that you're just means that you chose the, ba the battleship. Um, they can still shoot you. And if they've chosen the protector, then, um, yeah, they've got the heavy, which means they're going to hit you uh, 16% better than they would otherwise. But the trade-off the, so, the trade there is, well, if ruined buildings and stuff are in the way, well, we until we know officially if infantry can just walk through walls or not. Right now you have to walk around an entire building, so you're already losing movement by sitting behind a building and they can't see you, so you can't be shot at. That entire argument of, well, I'm going to hide behind the buildings because you're an Alpha Strike army, I'm going to take that away from you. That kind of idea is the counterplay to that, but it definitely does cause a mental plan of, well, 
I can't go hold objectives on my first turn, so my opponent's going to capitalize on that and come forward to touch all the objectives and outscore you on primary from turn two, probably into turn four kind of thing. I'm just saying that, like, for, for an army like Custodes, they're probably not going to care at all about this. doesn't matter which way you choose your D3 mortal wounds, lose three wounds anyway, moving on. Um, but armies... More like, I'd probably say your standard space for, you know, MSU, that's going to take, that can take out a guy. So all of a sudden, you know, a unit could be starting off with four instead of five. That's a 20% reduction of your unit's capabilities. Before, adding on to the fact that we can, units that they show, I'm, it's the Skatari Vanguard. I forget which weapon is their base weapon, but almost every option has at least AP, if not better. So, you know, if they're doing this, if they're sitting back and they're shooting, better. If they've chosen the Conqueror Imperative, they're doing even better. than. So it gives them, this ability gives them options and can put the opponent... Can definitely slow down the opponent's initial momentum back into the game, yeah. And that's something I can definitely agree with, because when you look at the Skatari as a unit data sheet, a lot of their stuff either has devastating wounds or an anti-X. So it's like the arc rifle is anti-vehicle, the radium carbine is anti-infantry, and it gives them a lot of options. They can also be a command point refund battery, because you spend a command point them on, you spend a command point on it, five up, you get one. And if you give them an Omni Specs, which I'm assuming you're going to, you just ignore cover. Of course. So it's like, yeah, you literally do. So Admech being a strong shooting army is never going to go away. But with this Rad Bombardment thing, you effectively put your opponent on a little bit of a timer. Because sure, if you ignore the first D3 wounds, it's going to be four more mortal wounds in total. But that's for every unit. And that eventually adds up. I was very amused saying this. Uh, Admech is an army that, if it had existed when I first started playing, it would be the army. So, like, we can ramble on about how good Admech is going to be, but overall, they have the the stratagems that they showed off, like Aggressor Imperative, took it away from the Castellan Robot, used during the charge phase, you used it on a Skatar unit that advanced. You can still declare a charge with that unit, even if advanced. The restriction, it actually comes with a restriction. You have to be in the Conquer Imperative. So, like, the if you use something like Rust Stalkers or something that want to go running into your opponent's deployment zone, you'd have to specifically take that Doctrina to use this, whereas the Bulwark Imperative is kind of the opposite. When your opponent's shooting at you, you pick a Skatari unit, it gets a 4-plus invuln save, but you have to be in the Protector Imperative. I actually like both of these. They both kind of work towards the idea of what imperative is going. So we're the ones more of, you know, defensive. Here's a stratagem to be defensive. And the other one is aggressive. The stratagem is to help increase that aggressiveness. But I also like, though, you have to make that choice. You can't just, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to hunker down. Kind of like, you have to kind of put the plan in place. Any I mean, good news is you can also surround. Yeah, it's definitely something that's creative for Admech and is definitely a lot easier on the brain. Whereas I think the next one, the good old craft worlds, uh, (laughs) this one is a novel because they still have their strands of fate. So just like currently in ninth edition, you roll your strands of fate dice at the start of the battle round and you get a certain number of dice based on battle size. In this case, it's you roll 12 of these things. And it's just like, <laughs> why 12? I don't know. But anyway, you can re-roll all of these dice. If you do, you roll one less d6 until you go all the way down to a single d6 remaining if you're that upset about it. Um, 
when you are satisfied, you hold you hold on to them in a pool, and this these are your dice for the rest of the battle. So you only get to do it once. If I'm if I may just interject, you get to keep doing it until you're happy, or you've only got one dice. Once you roll, once you're down to that last dice, you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah, that, that's why it's like <laughs> Y twelve. I don't know, but anyway, so <clears throat> you you hold on to all those dice for the battle. And before you make a dice roll, you can choose to use your strand of fate, and you use up one of those dice for a specific action to substitute. So you can use it for an advance roll, a battle shock test, a charge roll, a damage roll, a hit roll, a saving throw, and a wound. So it's the same kind of thing that happened with Sisters of Battle with their Miracle Dice, where you can no longer make a 9-inch charge for free. It's you still, here's my six, you still have to roll a three plus to charge in nine inches from deep strike. I think it makes it really war. They have a lot of heavy weapons. Knowing that on the these first two turns, or the first two rounds, I'm going to hit because mm-hmm. I have the dice already pre-rolled readily. Yep, and especially if the if the fate die that you use, yeah, this counts as an unmodified dice roll for the value of all rules purposes. So if you go, I have... A couple of sixes laying around if you have something with like devastating wounds it's a okay i'm going to roll to hit and then i'm going to use the six to wound so all of this just becomes mortal wounds because you know screw you and this becomes even more powerful of an option with their detachment rule which is unparalleled foresight when you select a unit to fight to shoot or fight you <laughs> you get salamander rerolls a reroll of a hit and a reroll of a to wound. And then it gets even further when we talk to yeah, it's just like, oh, you get somehow yeah, you know, when they said they're gonna reduce the number of rerolls, I guess the thousand there are fewer out there. But uh, oh my god. You know, I'm just looking uh soon they have so many high volume low volume, high strength, high AP, high damage weapons in their arsenal with their special this could get really ugly fast. It could, but at the same time it's that's a finite pool of exact numbers. So that's where the bal- I believe the su- the pseudo form of balance is, is you only have so many chances to do that. And the more and more you're looking, like if you're fishing for sixes, you go from 12. Ah, oh, dang, I only rolled two sixes. You have to re-roll all the dice right. to try and go for more. So let's actually take a look at the Farseer. The, they still carry around the Witchblade. It is a psychic melee weapon, which boggles my mind a little bit, but it's I think it's the first time I've ever seen an anti-X 2 plus. This is what it used to do. And but it's interesting is they made it anti infantry because it, I remember several times with my Adari uh, allies, a Witchblade because the original was it wounds everything on a two plus. I was like everything. All right, I'm gonna go attack this knight. That ah. the, Yeah, the warlock had a whopping two or three attacks, so it wasn't mm-hmm. gonna chop you down anytime soon. But it was just kind of silly. So now I'm like, okay, we've clarified that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we also see that, okay, the the Eldritch Storm Psychic shooting attack is in fact a blast weapon. So you can put this guy 24 inches away at a big blob of orcs and just go, I get D6 plus one, two, three, maybe four. And you're hitting on threes at strength six, AP two, and D3 damage each. So be careful how many models you throw at this guy. But I mean, he's also a character, so he's going to be attached to something like a guardian defender. Yeah, I have to say, though, fortune second, but I don't see uh, no guide concerned. Well, then again, you got it built in. Not on the far side, yeah. at least. Okay. Yeah. 
You know what comes to mind on that? Warlocks. It might be. Correct me if I'm wrong. Warlocks. Um, I believe so. I don't remember where I saw it, but I want to say I remember hearing something about that. Maybe it'll pop up in this article, but I think we need to we need to address the fire prism in the room because yikes, uh, these things actually scare me a little bit because um, we get it's little yeah because we have the prism cannon, the thing that these things are known for. So initially, you have the dispersed pulse, which is the blast profile. It's sixty inches, so it's just range table. 2d6 attacks, hitting on 3 strength, 6 AP, 1, 2 damage. Nothing super crazy. And then we get to the focused lances, and it introduces the linked fire ability. So it's only 2 shots of strength 18, AP 4, and flat 6 damage. God, it's going to be it's still so weird saying strength 18. Like, why? Anyway. <clears throat> when selecting targets for this weapon, you can measure range and determine visibility from another fire prism model that is visible to the bear. Why? Why would they ever do this again? I know they had a stratagem that lets you do this for like weird mortal wounds and stuff, but right. why? How it's supposed to work. And it's a very simplified because the other thing too is a very for every you know, for a while it was you had to kill one fire. There's other shots. It's kind of an elegant way of doing it. But when you read the stratagem for fade and fire, it's back. So you can park you know, two-way serpent out of out of sight somewhere, and then you just keep fading, firing the one to get blind. Out of the mm -hmm. So it's ah, <laughs> it, I mean, it's it's gonna be fun for the people playing Eldar, and we'll be able to see fire prisms pop back up on the table instead of seeing the all of the little units of swooping hawks and stuff. But I'm pretty sure the swooping hawks are probably going to be just as annoying as this edition. Uh, quick look at the guardians uh one of the positive changes right off the bat i won't say fixed but the heavy weapons platform would always get it made a couple changes there one of the big ones is that it's you're uh, holding things down it's a view of the uh, other heavy bright lance uh mm -hmm. which i was very surprised i was expecting lower strength it's strength 12 i was strength 9 with anti to strength 12 but the defender of fate uh was a is a very interesting at the end of your command phase for each objective marker you control that has one or more uh units from your army six and add displaying their fate yep so that'll actually make guardians relevant again unless more things have the defenders of fate ability which i don't think they're going to make that one super common probably not I have a funny feeling it's going to be just reduced. I might be wrong, but I have a feeling yeah. it is. But I think we need to wade through the, the muddy waters and take a visit through Don Hoosen's territory of the <laughs> smelly, 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 smelly Death Guard. So, yeah, this one's, uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They, they still carried over their contagion thing, which is Nurgle's gift. So it is still the same of... It starts at a small radius of three inches off of your base, up to six and up to nine. But it doesn't get any bigger than nine, so you don't have these weird, like, gigantic 12-inch bubbles of contagion. And it's still minus one toughness to any enemy units within that range. Okay, that's all well and good. And then there's the detachment thing, which is spread the sickness if you control an objective marker at the end of your command phase. And... Obviously, a Death Guardian is within range of it. The objective marker is said to be infected, and it's a sticky objective. And until your opponent takes it over, in addition, while, you're, while an objective marker is infected and under your control, it also has the contagion range. So if your opponent tries to come and touch an objective, they will be at minus one toughness. 
for an army that has big, tough gray. <laughs> oh, and you know, I have to laugh because I had made mention in our little message, uh, group message, that I think it'd be really cool if people started with tokens since the objectives themselves are passable. And I can just imagine Death Guard players having like these little putrid smokestack-looking things that they could place in the objective. <laughs> well, uh, the objectives are sticky in more ways than one. But I, <laughs> but um, I think there is actually something missing from the abundance of plagues and diseases that this army has, and that's something that they've had for a very long time. And that's a feel no pain. Yeah, I was just looking not have it. They they get the the benefit of being toughness six now instead of toughness five, so they're harder to chew through. But they still go down as like a sack of rocks because they're three wounds with a two up save. But there's no damage mitigation. There's no ignoring wounds of any kind. At least not with this uh, particular detachment. Yeah, they might get something with a feel no pain later, and then that's all you'll ever see, <laughs> probably. Because you have stuff like the Playcaster, who is a Toughness 5 support piece, as he's always kind of been. And he's nothing special in his attacks or anything. His psychic abilities are, I would say, mediocre at best because you can do d3 mortal wounds to to stuff and then take away a minus one to wound on a die roll which is actually kind of awesome um and then the fallout spell yeah a minus two to move and minus two to minus two charge rolls so at that point like he's great to have it following around a brick of terminators or something but at the same time it's like uh really and, and then there's the plague burst mortar the plague burst mortar is the like the iconic tank of this faction. That's the main way I know it. D6 plus 3 attacks, blast, indirect fire, and lethal hits. So that's 6 is to hit automatically wound, right? Correct. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, pretty, gonna, I'm pretty sure I'm going to ask it every week because d lethal hits versus devastating wounds. Blah. But strength 8, AP 1, and flat 2 damage. And it immediately causes battle shock tests in, in battle shock tests in infantry units i can talk back uh, you know i i'm a little more of a caster than you are i'm blowing models that get stuck in plague zone tough to, don't forget also overwatch at the end of the movement phase and actually if you reread it uh seems like everybody got auspex because it says if a unit is set up so then it comes out of reserve you get another shot but the point i'm trying to make is okay i'm just going to move so i have to do a two inch charge uh, you're kind of close and I'm going to you're actually going to make a four inch. I'm going to get a turn to shoot at you. Sixes, but I've got a uh, weapon. A lot of them. And then, again, another minus two to your charge. Come on in. Go ahead. Try and attack. And your minus one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it definitely plays into the idea of Death Guard is a is supposed to be a durable wall that walks forward. And if you walk into it, you better be able to clean it up, which they're going to make it really hard for you. Because when you look at their um, Sanguis, yeah, Sanguis Flux... That is a mouth. Um, <laughs> in the fight phase, you pick a Death Guard unit that hasn't been selected to fight yet, and until the end of the phase, you get sustained hit, sustained hits one on their melee weapon. If you are within range of an effective objective marker, though, you get sustained hits two. So you so you pile on all of the the tetanus and everything else on it to make it that much grosser. No, overall, I think they're pretty strong. Look at it. They have. Well, so far, I'm seeing four-inch move on Terminators and five-inch move on the Playcaster. So I think they're kind of relegated to being that slow-walking 
army across the table again contrary to what came out after them that has probably the longest stride in the game because they're as tall as a building yes this was one i was really excited to see especially since it's an army of nothing but vehicles imperial knights Mm -hmm. so they're keeping the code chivalric as the imperial knight army rule Although they've reduced it from four codes to two. We now only have Lalo the Tyrant and Reclaim the Realm. Now it says that you select it at the end of the read mission objective step, which means you don't have to pick it and stick with it the whole tournament if you're at a tournament, unless the tournament organizer decides otherwise. Also, you don't have to keep track of how many points you get for being honored, which is something that, as someone who only plays every once in a while like myself kept losing count of (laughs) it's now either you're honored or you're not honored and there's no negatives for not being honored for instance the Lalo the tyrant the ability is each time this model is selected to shoot or fire you get to re-roll a hit of one and a re-roll of one the deed that you need to try to complete is to um destroy the enemy now what do you get if you perform this deed well you gain three cp the other one, Reclaim the Realm, the ability you get is to add one inch to the model's move characteristic and one to the advance and charge rolls. And the deed you're trying to complete is to control one or more objective markers in the opponent's deployment zone. It's kind of interesting because it's kind of... Mm-hmm. So I know for me, if I was to take one for an entire tournament, if I was told to stick with one, it would definitely be Lalo the Tyrant because it's the easiest one to... Okay, slows the game down by re-rolling hit, hits and wounds of one. Well, it's a hit roll and a wound roll, so it's... a uh, much more yeah. finite thing unless they generalize it to oh it's re-roll a hit roll of one and re-roll a wound roll of one so you look for all your ones and re-roll them but anyway that's pedantics so doing that one because you go all right where's your warlord and if your warlord is something like a gilliman or an abaddon or a bellacor or something they can't be part of a unit but they have low and operative okay so you don't have to worry about ever targeting them unless they are right in front of you unless it the the warlord can be part of a unit which then you chase after his unit with all of your guns <laughs> because the that's a big benefit because the, the attachment rule they have for the indomitable heroes is all of your knights have a six up feel no pain just all the time which adds to their durability by a little bit and if you become honored you get a five up feel no pain step straightforward do a get b and i my hunch was right little guys are going up to toughness 10 they are they also had an increase to their objective control they moved up from five to eight yeah but they still only have a five up and vulnerable to shooting attacks (laughs) yeah so i'm not Entirely surprised they've always pretty much kept it to that inbound save only being effective. Shooting the feel no pain does help. The increase in their toughness will help in some instances. Um, the example that they give us for the Armager is the Warglaive. We can see pretty easily that the Thermal Spear, their Melta weapon, has lost six inches of range. It's gone from. That being said, it's got the Melta 4 ability. So anything within 12 inches it, it shoots is going to be dealt D6 plus 4 damage at AP minus 4. At a whopping strength of 12. So at that point you're wounding the Blightlord Terminators on 2s and you're wounding other Armagers on 3s. But the the one data sheet that I'm worried about 
because this kind of, this might show off for the bigger knights is in fact the Canis Rex. So they've localized it to being 10 inches of move, just like they did for all the big knights in ninth edition. He's also toughness. He's toughness 12. I expected them to be a little bit higher toughness. I'm pretty sure that the Dominus chassis are going to be like toughness 16, maybe still a three up armor, still five up involved, but only 22 wounds from 20. But I mean, this guy's also a character because he comes with Sir Hector. So that's maybe where his two extra wounds went. And yeah, you guys can talk about the guns because I think they're just silly. <laughs> so one thing I'm curious about is whether since he's a he's a character, it's a special unit. Um, there's the gen- uh, non-character specific version, the Perceptor. I'm curious as to if the weapon profiles are going to be the same. If so, it's kind of funny. So we've got the Chainbreaker Laz Impulsor. That's the big gun. There's high intensity, which is range 24 for D6 attacks. Ballistic skill 2 plus. It's a character, so 2 plus instead of 3 plus. Strength 14, AP minus 3, and 4 damage. Or you could go. That's got blast and sustaining hits. So it's got some potential for anti infantry. Then it's got the low intensity. It's still blast and sustain hits one, but the range is 36. The attack is 2d6. It moves to strength 7, AP 1, and damage 2. So that's really their, like, marine killer there. <laughs> um, and then he's got a smaller Laz weapon, the chain, the multi-laser. It's also sustained range 36. Four attacks, strength 6, and just one damage. It'll be useful. That's nothing crazy. Um, then we have the melee weapon, which is called Freedom's Hand. It's got oh. two different oh, profiles. Right. Oh, right. I was talking about the Thunder Coil Harpoon and the Rapid Fire Battle Cannon. Those are the silly things oh. because. Those are yeah. the silly. Yeah. You know, um, that is silly. I like it. I had to look over the old um, one because the Valiant is actually a knight that you didn't see played. And I can see this being used. So, Eric, with you having an army of a vehicle with of normal vehicles with 10 or less wounds, how do you feel about a harpoon gun picking up a single boat and throwing it across the table? Well, that's the first thing I looked at is, is I think they got rid of the harpoon part, reeling it back in like a 40-pound bass. But, um, yeah, one attack. So that's it's still ballistic still two. So it's going to hit off like that. Strength 24. Yeah, you heard me right. So I'm going in even in the, the night on night matchup. But we really don't care because at the very least, the worst it will be, it'll be anti war up, monstrous creatures, uh, and war up, devastating wounds. So those us do uh, mortals. P minus six. So I just kind of like that one. P minus five. Yeah, I, I, I gotta be honest. I saw that and thought, did someone just decide to throw a random number in there? <laughs> at that point, why not EP minus? So all I can think of is, is, is does it have ignore cover built in? Is that what we're trying to say? Uh, the but, the, the uh, thing yeah, that I've to pick up a yeah, as we know now. It... So the thing I've seen the internet kind of chat about with that is because it's anti-vehicle, anti-monster four plus. There people are speculating that the devastating wounds will work on a four plus against those things, and I'm just. That that would be a little silly because then this thing would be walking. You'd see two of these things walking around the table, and an army of Tyranids would just be picked up in no time unless they only brought Gaunts. Yeah, so I saw the um, discussion about that. I think so. the The argument for it being the case, I found myself agreeing with. So I hope GW will actually, for once, address it 
fairly soon, but I'm not going to hold Wait, my Wait, what are they claiming? They're claiming that the be, the anti-monster and anti-vehicle rules, because you can never wound it better than on, like you always wound it on a 4+. Right. People, are, people were speculating that if you roll the 4 up against a monster or vehicle, regardless about the devastating wounds rule, if you don't, because you automatically you always wound on a four plus or more. The devastating wounds would trigger on that roll for monsters and vehicles, no, which I went like close. It's yeah, no, it's devastating wound. Is yeah, a I think wound. part of it is, um, I think the art and I think the argument came down to people mixing up different rules from when I was reading it. Cause yeah, actually rereading the anti. Yeah. It's not the case. The argument that made was made. I found myself agreeing with, but actually, like, yeah, you bring that up with me just looking because, fun fact, somebody posted up a, a little page that's basically got all the the universe's special rules on one page. That's made it very helpful. Yeah, <laughs> but the the thing, the gun that I think got a glow up is the battle cannon. It's still seventy two inches. It still has a buttload of shots. It's high strength, low AP, and big damage. But it's now an actual rapid fire gun. And boy, is it a rapid yeah, fire! Yeah, two D six plus six at thirty six inches. That's a real fun time. And blast! Yeah. <laughs> so it's an actual thing that can pick up blobs of units. But at that point, I think we actually need to transition to the shootiest of shooty armies because that's all they do. And it's all for the greater. Tau Empire. Uh, I had to admit, when I ever looked, what? Uh, they've super simplified the market, but they also incredibly available. So the army wide, uh, if your army is a Tau faction, they work in pairs to help each other target. And so one unit is the observer, the other unit is then guided, and then the enemy spotted. Each time the selected unit is shot, if the, uh, excuse me, if it is not an observer unit, it can use this ability. So that right off the bat, was, but it was later clarified in the article, the observer can later shoot at something else. So if you uh, if the guided unit fires at the spotted unit, you get plus one, one, plus and you one. ignore, and then if you use a marker light unit to guide, the, observ the observer gives the guided. Now, if the guided unit decides, we've already killed this unit, or I, I changed my mind, I want to shoot another unit, Interesting, they get a minus spotted. The The specific difference there is it's not a minus one to the hit roll. It is a plus one or a minus one to the actual ballistic skill. So you got Tau that, like, for instance, the Pathfinder team, most of their guns are BS four or five. So if they become the, the guided unit, they go from fives and fours to fours and threes, where if they're the spotted unit, they go all the way down to sixes and fives. So it's interesting that it's any unit not just the marker light units. The marker light units are just better at it. As a matter of fact, the Pathfinder spot. It's like, oh, wow, that's kind of nice. So, so the, the way I like to think of this in a comical way is you have the phrase of, oh, shoot. You have the O units and the shoot units. <laughs> I would say word, I would say the other word, but we're on recording. I don't want us to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Other thing I thought was really helped uh, drones are not a unit yep they're just equipment specifically say i love this uh, uh you may notice that drone were gear abilities rather than models in their own right drones cross the model gone are the days of trying to line across the battle i am so stupid in the past and i was just like oh yep and i am so glad that the days of mass shield yeah i mean like the the game against tau that i talked about maybe a week or two ago where i chewed through yeah it was for the last big um, GT here at Gamers Guild where I chewed through a blob of like 10 of them <laughs> just to 
get down to the crisis suits was obnoxious. Um, but we do still have an elephant gun in the room of the rail gun. Which hey, we get there. Oh yeah, shield drone real quick. Shield drone along to the bear. Yep, that's something that's different. You don't get a four up invuln save anymore. Yeah, yes, the, uh, the elephant gun is back. We finally entirety. Uh, it's it's one of the many elephant guns that exist in this article here. But so the rail gun is still seventy two inches. Still only one shot for the big big one that's on the hammerhead of hitting on fours at strength twenty, AP five. Again, we're just throwing out random big numbers here. Of D6 plus 6 damage. So it's still a crazy high damage gun, but if anyone caught, it no longer ignores invulnerable save. And it no longer does mortal wounds. Uh, 6 is devastating. Oh, I mean, that's a devastating wound. That's a specific rule. But it no longer just outright does mortal wounds on a successful to wound. Right. And it's also heavy. Able to keep your guys stationary, though, if they'll hit on you at a market light action. So, yeah, it gets pretty nasty. But uh, you might want to dust off your storm surges. Yeah. This thing. Whew. Oh, buddy. Uh, so the Pulse Blast Cannon is either two shots hitting on fours of strength 24 AP6 flat 12 damage for the focused variety or the dispersed version, which is six shots also hitting on fours at strength 10 AP2 flat four damage. So <laughs> uh, you better have cover for the dispersed one because otherwise it do is just get picked up, period. Well... Very interesting, too, that the detachment we're going to get out of the boat, out of the gate, I should say, is the Kayan. Basically, from third battle round on, uh, everything army-wide gets sustained hits one, and if you're guided, you get sustained hits. Mm -hmm. So you have to wait, wait, and then on third turn, you can just literally pop out and shoot everything. Nothing like starting out with a patient hunter. Yep, because we're a bunch of monkeys here. We aren't patient. We like rolling dice in... Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me, and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models. And if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extermination Podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp, or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom 
Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Not, but us not being patient monkeys, someone really wasn't patient, and that entire book exists on the internet. Not entire. Almost it might as well be the entire book. Well, it really doesn't address psychic at all. Again, the, the entire point is, is that, hey, guess what? <laughs> Rules exist out on the internet. Right. <laughs> so what was uh, the big surprise that you guys saw in that rule book? They were like, I didn't. Um, for me, it was definitely the going through here because I don't remember it off the top of my head because I watched it at something like 2 a.m. <laughs> so it was like... <laughs> It did get posted really early in the morning. Yeah, it did. It? So the um, hopefully this ad isn't heard on the recording because I have it muted. But it's mainly like the charge stuff. So the engagement range is still there. So engagement range is still an inch, which is a good thing. That means you don't have to end base to base because that was a really wonky rule that could have made a lot of trouble. Like, no, I made it in. No, you didn't. You touched. You didn't touch my base. Yes, I did. And, all this other like minutiae arguments. Um, I, I don't know. I, I disagree with you there. I still think there's plenty. There's going to be a minutiae argument. I'm within an inch. Hold on. Let me get my one inch. I was kind of hoping that was the rule. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's between the charging and everything else. It is that units that fly. Sure, they still can fly up onto terrain. But now when they want to like charge down or move across, move down onto a lower part of the area, they actually have to move diagonally. Yeah, that was no. a big change because that's that, putting that perspective. So no infinite. So what that means is if I have secondary guard back behind a wall of, and you can go, well, I only, you're tall, I only have to do a two inch charge. Nope, sorry. You have to measure above the wall and back down and hopefully. Like the example that, they show off in the book with just charging over terrain naturally if you don't fly is it's up to the wall up the wall and then along the roof of the hill which in this example is seven and a half inches the the flying scenario that they show is a 10 inch diagonal charge that they've proven that you can fly over enemy units during charges still and you can fly up onto terrain as long as the diagonal from point a to point b gets you all the way there so big change so not only is this a big change, how you move your move, model movement phase as well as charge terrain. We've had several, even just looking at Games Workshop, we're on third-party stuff. You have the old stuff, but sometimes they're usually stacked. Newer stuff, like five and two levels on its tenant. So all of a sudden, tall terrain is becoming a bit of a problem to get around. And you really have to think about what you have to, you know, how high your terrain is. What's also interesting is every example front. It's supposed to be like the outcrop. It's not as gothic. Yeah, it's right a there. whole bunch of boxes and walls and satellite dishes. Right. So, but the, all those are three inches tall, which I thought not five inch gothic. So now I'm like, okay, what's the intended terrain for this new addition? Second roll, which uh, earlier really compounds. Yeah. So the the initial rumor was that when you perform a charge, you have to end within base to base. Well, that got debunked because you know people got it wrong. Pylons still exist, and I'm actually looking at the wording. When you activate a unit, it performs a pylon move. It moves towards close to enemy model. If it is able to end base to base with an enemy model, it 
has to. So no more than you to have gradually fly by. You're gonna have so. Yeah, we had heard some correct rumors, but now I get what they how they got that. So the the key phrasing here in the sentences is where it is. If it can also end that move in base-to-base -base contact with one or more enemy models while still satisfying all of the conditions above for the pylon, it must do so. So if you move three inches towards closest enemy model and you are not able to end within base-to-base -base contact, then okay, that's fine. You're allowed to not be base-to-base, -base, but if you can be base-to-base, -base, you have to end base-to-base. -base. That's where I'm like, okay, I can do that with my custodes. I got 40 millimeter bases. I'm big all the time. <laughs> I mean, very, it's not going to get its own faction. How Harlequin? Oh, yeah. All of their spindly bits. <laughs> no, because back in the day, flip, they could move over mob. Mm-hmm. So does that mean I can move over the model, but I can't stop and I'm to acrobat my way across the table? Curious. Yeah, uh, flip belts were just like how fly lets you potentially like move over models, but they went, oh no, you can't fly when you pile in because you know flying over a model for a cheeky pile in is kind of obnoxious. Yeah. But yeah, the flip belts I could see a, a skinny Harlequin narratively pirouetting through two marines, going, and I'm over here now. <laughs> One other rule regarding movement and terrain. Uh, multiple places have, have reported something differently. I don't know how, uh, unless otherwise stated, a model terrain be charged. I'll read it again. But not a model can height. It's not there. A model vertical climb up, down, and the taller of counting the vertical distance up, down. Models cannot end no cool a charge days. mid to climb. Yep. The same thing in the so it's safe to assume that the 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 Kool-Aid manning infantry through walls and hiding behind a corner all game. Sure, if you're standing on <clears throat> on excuse me, on or near an objective, that could win you the game by standing there and holding the objective all game with like an OC worth of ten or something. My objective, you're never gonna have it. But that also makes it so that way your opponent can pin you into the building against the wall because you can't leave. So means you have to really think about your terrain. Now it's like, oh, I can't. so the old tactic of I'm going whatever I forgot what try and fit and charge me through the wall and then you can't can't uh, shoot me and then I just plunge out of the charge. That's gone. You have to go around the corner. Mm -hmm. And the average third per third party terrain, they're between wide and the GWGW events are twelve inch by twelve inch square. That's a lot of walk around. So is the expectation is that you crawl up and down and I, I'm just curious how this is gonna look and the tournament organized, what terrain are you going to do? A short squatty terrain that's pretty wide are you more pieces that are whole the the way i look at it because if i remember the gw terrain the most of the boxes act they actually have small openings on the sides for models to walk through so you can still put that 12 by 12 square down and your units can still walk through the building but if you put them up against the big wall they now have to walk back out and around because if they if we actually get to see all the terrain rules and explain how the you can't shoot through X buildings, if they explain that more in depth in the rulebook, then we get to see exactly how defensible a large ruin piece like that can be. Because I know I hypothetically would want to get a couple of the, the gothic buildings, not use the buttresses because the buttresses are a pain in the butt the ones that sit outside of the building, but use the, the big gothic ruins and have like almost asymmetrical here's the big l on this quarter of the table and then a whole bunch of taller smaller l's that are maybe only seven or eight seven or eight inches long on each side 
that kind of thing where it's there's a lot of space but there's a lot more walls to go around so cover is more abundant yeah i'm still looking at how how long does it take to get around the trans i don't know i have to get a few test games with this type of get depth we did get a more in-depth core strategy yep the this part i actually haven't looked at so these are all new to me all right so i'll do a quick rundown so command reroll pretty much unchanged fairly the same can uh, re-roll a desperate escape as well as a hazard, uh, counter offensive saying call it epic challenge as robert and i learned very quickly from our test important um if a if you're in close combat with as i found out when i attacked the captain he can allocate the rest of the unit captain well if i spend this one point stratagem yes i can finally attack the uh character yep and it's not a both characters get precision it's your character gets precision against mine so it's a one-way Huzzah! <laughs> so the other thing, and speaking as someone who played back sixth edition, and so I'm appreciative of that fact that you can choose to do it. You don't have to try to get your opponent to do it. Oh yeah, that was so goofy. I refuse. Yeah, and then you have to attack the unit. But it's interesting. Also, the unit doesn't get it. If you don't have a character in the unit, you're out of luck. Yeah, and insane bravery is still there, following along with. Um, some images I am looking at, so that way I'm not a complete dunce cap. Um, but the thing that got me is, I don't think we've ever commented on it, but none of the weapon profiles that we've talked about on any of the data sheets have a grenade weapon. No, they don't. It's a keyword at bottom. And I was trying to figure out what are... And uh, so, good news, bad news. Good news, grenade strategy, the bad news. Uh, plasma grenade is a crackle kind of... But um, in your shooting phase, uh, one grenade's unit from your army, not engagement range, may elect uh, eight inches to a visible target. Uh, roll 66, four up. Yep. And then there's uh, something that makes me a little happy because this is actually effectively something that they pulled from the Horus Heresy, and that's the go-to-ground strat. So it's the when you're being shot at, blah, everybody fall to your feet and you get a six plus invulnerable save and the benefit of cover. Oldie but a goodie. Um, smokes well. You get benefit of cover and stealth. You have to have the smoke. I Which like I th- a rhino and maybe land raiders. But one of my favorites is back. I am so excited about this. Uh, tank shock. No, well, tank shock <laughs> ability. But what I like what this does. Uh, in your charge phase, one army end of the phase after charge. Then select one melee weapon on your unit it's equipped roll a d6 equal to the strength and if the strength characteristic is greater than the unit's tough eh, roll two. for every five up units suffer max of six so at that point you roll up with a i don't know a land raider a land raider has something like a strength eight tank tread or something something like that you roll eight d6 up to 10 because your strength is higher than the toughness so you roll 10d6 every five of a mortal wound. Hey, if I'm understanding that strategy right. That's correct. Woo! Uh, heroic intervention is now a stratagem, and it's not restricted to character. Matter of fact, any unit except for non And it is also within six inches of an enemy unit. So everyone gets to join in the dog pile from the edge of the ring. Kind of neat. We saw rapid ingress, ingress before uh, uh, on your practice. Overwatch, this is the big one. Around uh, your opponent uh, when your charge phase just after set up, or when an enemy starts or advance fallback. <laughs> ah, that that's actually a specific timing that I did not realize now existed in that stratagem, where it's starts 
or ends. So hmm. I'm going to move these guys, and I ran away. So I'm going to uh, started your movement. I'm going to shoot you now. Uh, one unit from your army that is within 20. So it's not unlimited range, or the range of your weapon. Um, very generous sort of action. Yeah, it is. And yes, you still shoot, and yes, and irrespective of any attack or any modifier, Tau Empire. If you're guided, you not the the big thing is is that because it specifies starts or ends the move is where it can get kind of cheeky. Because obviously, if you that here's a weird interaction um, that I thought about. If someone were to use tank shock on a low wound vehicle, okay, at the end of the charge move, you do the mortal wounds. The person pulls the models out of combat. The the you. The person who got charged takes the models out of engagement range of this low wound vehicle. Sure. You could then fire Overwatch at something at the vehicle that just charged. Yes, yes, you can. <laughs> oh, that is such weird timing. Why would you, like, if, don't know why you would ever do that, but man. Uh, exactly why. Because you're thinking, hmm. All I have is uh, I have this rhino that's right now. Cause I'm gonna ram unit of object and I kill him, or I get, or I'm trying to get enough wounds to knock it down high enough to take the objective. Ah, I'm winning the object, and they go, eh. Given you know you need to roll sixes, but because it's hitting on sixes, if you have lethal hits, you just automatically wound. Yeah. <laughs> oh yikes! 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 <laughs> so there's a lot more interplay during the turn. Very interesting stuff. But yeah, uh, the last thing I wanted to bring up, I didn't catch it till tonight, and that is Battleshock. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, Army had a... <clears throat> it was, oh, I took 25% damage, or I, just, I, I failed, uh, I lost. You roll for leadership. If I passed, I stand. <laughs> Life is if I fail, they fell back, you did the goofy thing, if they get caught, and then I make another leadership test. And it didn't matter if I had... 12 guys left or one guy left. As soon as I passed them, they became insanely back into battle. Not the case with Battleshock. You drop below half strength, you're testing every... That is a stiff... Are you below half? Make a Battleshock. You mentioned we need a uh, marker holding objective. Find some sort of marker. Yeah, I could definitely see that being a thing. Because now it becomes, oh, how reliable... I don't... I... Yeah, it also makes it where late in the game... Objective holding can be very volatile. Yeah, that's a really good... And also, if you bring units that are maybe like only five model like five models strong at that point you're clearly not going um holding objectives of those units unless it's like super important one thing i learned from arguing about it i'm not i mean if you have five you better be really good at it because i found out really quickly that the old adage of that five you never want to take more than five uh, we haven't seen their just learning really quick ap but the biggest i mean you were able to overwatch Every and every turn, I lost one or two. So not only was I lose, I don't want enough attacks to knock off you guys. So now you start to have to look at larger squads. So now what Twitch tells me, we don't know what the points values are. Larger squads, squads. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they actually did specify that if you attach a character to a unit, it increases their starting strength by one. Yeah, kind of. They explained that. And then of course, if you kill the characters, free to move about the. Uh, we found out. Right? Yeah. Um, so Ray, you made a bold prediction, and a uh, which faction? Oh. We already know we're saying we're seeing Chaos Knights tomorrow on my birthday. Yeah, I'd be curious to keep their uh, whole dread. I think they will to some extent. It might be different, but I think they will. Yeah, it'll probably make us, you know, a little spooky and mess with Battle Shock and whatnot. Yeah. So it's been a pretty, cons with two army exceptions, it's been a pretty consistent rotation of um, roughly Xenos, Chaos, Imperial. Well, we just had Xenos Friday. 
Chaos is Monday, which means Imperial on Tuesday. So, Custodes most likely. Outside of them, the only other factions that you can see on the web store is Assassins and Imperial Agents, which I think would technically fall under the same umbrella. And I don't think they'd do them before they would do Custodes. So I think it's safe to say that by Tuesday we'll know Custodes too. And then we switch to Xenos again. There's only two Xenos left. That is Gene's Tither Cult and Drukhari. Honestly, I hope by then it's Drukhari. Just so you, you can actually get some um, something to look at for a faction you play. Yeah, I'm dreading it. This I love everything about the trend I'm seeing and how they're redesigning faction. I just have a feeling Drakari. Uh, just I have a feeling Comet. We already know we're losing sub faction. The whole interplay cabal with Coven attached. If they make um, power from pain that like they did with uh, you roll eight die, I'm like, very upset. <laughs> um, I, I just I'm just dreading it. I am with the pretty bland, and then I think they have removed so many models now from. The I have a feeling they're going to be all, not that are going to racks and mandra um not they're all fine cast well they did say that every faction needs something this edition so fingers yeah, crossed cross, but we, we'll we need a lot them. yeah um so as far as previews go i'm sure anybody who's really paying attention would notice that i did leave out one imperial faction that they haven't talked about, and that's because i think they're going to be strategic about it because I think Thursday and Friday is going to be a one-two punch of the very psychic heavy armies of Thousand Suns and Grey Knights on those respective days. And they'll use those two days to really cover what's going on with psychic stuff. Psychic wrapped. The only thing we haven't figured out is what that's your weapon. Precisely. And only the only pages that we've seen from the leaks so far that have mentioned psychic talk about it and without actually talking about anything specific for psychic, which means at least has led me to believe that there is in fact something about the psychic uh, keyword that has just been not shown up yet, which is conspiracy theory moment. Why I think that these leaked pages were a strategic choice by a certain company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's still a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep to myself. But we're running a little bit long tonight, so lots to go over, so look forward to the next. So, gentlemen, any other revelation focus before we wrap up? I got nothing. I'm just going to say, going into 10th, remember that you only get to fight um, in base-to-base -base with the enemy, base-to-base uh, -base with one that's base-to-base -base with the enemy. The whole... X amount of inches rule is gone. Sure, but it also combats are taking up a whole lot. Let's combine that with the consolidate. Very, very. All right, gentlemen, that's been a great night. So we will talk to you next. Uh, my name's Eric. I'm, I'm Robert. Robert. Happy birthday, Robert. And we will talk to you guys. Yay! <laughs>